Hello and welcome to Blooming Curious, a podcast that's all about nurturing that natural curiosity in our early years, kids and students. I'm Edwina, your host from the Ed's Lessons blog, a passionate advocate for play and inquiry and on a mission to keep children curious and questioning. The days of talk and chalk are over. We're diving into the world of integrated, inquiry and nature-based learning and exploring the strategies that create lifelong learners. So if you're a classroom or homeschool educator or even a curious parent, then this is the place for you. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Blooming Curious. Today is the third episode in our Getting Started series. We've looked at knowing your philosophy and how to use the curriculum to plan lessons. And today we're focusing on scheduling and timetabling our daily non-negotiables and how to integrate inquiry into our timetables. So first off, let's talk about visual timetables. So visual timetables are a game changer. Kids thrive on routines and knowing what to expect. And when life is predictable, kids feel safe. And when they feel safe, they are, of course, better able to learn. Picture schedules with colorful images or icons can guide children through the day, making transitions smoother and reducing anxiety. You can use images of the daily activities, playtime, story sessions, snack breaks, whatever suits your schedule. It's like a roadmap for the day that even the youngest learners can understand. And when you're starting off, you can display the visual timetable in your morning circle so that students know what to expect for the day. And eventually, you can give that job of displaying the day's activities to children in the class as part of their classroom responsibilities and roles. You can download ready-made visual timetables from websites like Twinkle or TeachStarter. But of course, you can also create your own. I have found over the years that Children with neurodiversity really appreciate visual timetables. And of course, for some of these kids, it might be useful for them to have their own visual timetable just with three or so activities that they be following as a whole day, maybe too overwhelming for them. Now on to non-negotiables. Every day has these little nuggets of essential activities whether it's story time, outdoor play, snack time, show and tell, or circle discussions. These are your anchors. These activities create stability and familiarity for the kids. And once you identify these non-negotiables, you build your schedule around them. Flexibility is key, but these core elements should remain constant. As an educator, you have to find the time in a week to cover your learning areas, English, mathematics, science, health or humanities, health and physical education, art, music and technology, and perhaps even another language. The curriculum is so overcrowded, and I'm going to state my own opinion here, which might not go down well with many, but this is my podcast, and I'm going to say what I think. And in fact, I'm going to ask you an inquiry question. Do young children actually need all these curriculum areas? Do any of us actually remember what we learned in science or history when we were five or seven? I sure don't. The only thing I remember from my early years at school were the things that I actually did. Things like growing beans in a windowsill. I remember that so clearly. Knitting a coat hanger cover at age seven, I kid you not. 
and very strangely, learning to form my letters in what was then called grade one, and this is back in South Africa in the early 70s, I turned seven in my first year of formal schooling, and I've turned out just fine. I distinctly remember trying to shape the letter A. We were given these little blue cards, about the size of a postcard, and we had to just go for it on this little card and form the letters of an alphabet. There were no lines to stress about staying on a line. It was just simply that motion of forming the letter. I remember that. So if I had my own way, I would only focus on English, math, art, music and STEM. Or more specifically, inquiry projects sparked by children's interests, nature and picture books. But unfortunately, I'm not in charge. So how do we create time in our schedules for all these learning areas? English is a daily non-negotiable. From pre-primary or if you're in America, kindergarten, you will focus on phonics and building phonological awareness, and that is the sounds in words. Phonics should be taught daily, systematically, and explicitly. And you will need to find or use a program that delivers phonological awareness on a daily basis. This shouldn't take more than 10 minutes or so. Actually, phonological awareness begins way before pre-primary, when children can be made aware of the sounds in words through nursery rhymes and rhyming picture books. What's happened to nursery rhymes, by the way? Oh, and I have a blog post where I've created a list of my favourite rhyming picture books for children, and I'll drop the link in the show notes for you. Mathematical concepts, too, are non-negotiable. I personally love Dr. Paul Swan's resources, where he tells you exactly how to plan and how to reach every mathematical milestone. I'll link this in the website um, and in the show notes. And by the way, I have no affiliation with Dr. Paul Swan. I just really love using his resources. And if you're in Perth, I highly recommend you attend one of his workshops. So English in all its nuances and mathematics are non-negotiable. But wait, here's the real cherry on top. Inquiry-based learning. This method is like the secret sauce that makes lessons engaging and meaningful. Instead of just telling kids facts, which they'll never remember, because do you remember anything that the teacher just stood there in front of the class and just kept telling you? Let's nurture children's curiosity. Let them ask questions, explore, experiment and discover. For instance, during playtime, if kids are fascinated by insects, turn it into a mini project. Build on their interest by reading books about bugs, creating an insect habitat, or even going on a bug hunt outside. It's about harnessing their natural curiosity and make learning an adventure. So just by taking this interest in insects, for example, you can teach language concepts, mathematical concepts. So if you have three beetles, how many legs would they have all together? And right there, you are now learning about groups of which actually repeated addition and multiplication, so three groups of six. What about teaching kids about asking really good questions that lead to discovery? This forms part of inquiry skills, which is part of the science and the HAS, Humanities and Social Sciences, curriculum. And then in year two, for example, you teach report writing. And you can check out my favorite book in the world, which is Pi Corbett's Talk for Writing Across the Curriculum, which I'll link in the show notes. So now 
You're linking your writing to this inquiry project about insects. And then, of course, kids can draw and paint or even make models of their favourite insect, which ticks off the art and technology curriculum. It's impossible to teach the different subjects a standalone. Each should be integrated because life is not neatly organised. Everything is integrated. By integrating your subjects through an inquiry approach, not only are you meeting more curriculum outcomes, you're also saving your sanity and more importantly, teaching kids in a really meaningful way. Now the big question, how do we integrate inquiry-based learning into our daily schedule? So many of my colleagues and educators across the world, when I'm listening to other podcasts, their biggest concern is, well, how do I fit it into my already, you know, overcrowded timetable? Well, it's simpler than you think. You dedicate blocks of time where kids can delve into their interests. It could be a part of your morning circle or an afternoon session. You allow for open-ended exploration within these time frames. And this approach not only fosters a love of learning, but also allows you to intertwine various subjects seamlessly. I've always found that English and maths are the heavy lifters, and they're best taught in the mornings when kids are fresh and alert. And in the afternoons, you can use that time for inquiry and investigation, which will cover everything from art, technology, science and humanities. Now, you need to teach science and has topics. So it's not just about saying to kids, off you go, do an inquiry on living things, for example. No, 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 no. You need to teach the process of inquiry by modeling each step of the process in an I do, we do, you do fashion. Oh, so hey, hang on a minute. Isn't that explicit instruction? Well, of course it is. Inquiry doesn't take the place of explicit instruction. It dovetails with explicit instruction, as I've said before. For example, if you're talking about life cycles in year two, then you teach the life cycle of one animal, the kookaburra, for example, or, I don't know, the frog. And the whole class follows along. And then they replicate the process later in their investigation of an animal of their choice. In these early years, it's about modeling and scaffolding. Kids need those boundaries and scaffolds and the guidance, your guidance, to feel comfortable and confident. There's nothing more frightening for a child than to have to do something they don't understand independently. No one gains anything from that. And if you want to know how to get started with inquiry, just how to, just how to dip your toe in and have a go, I have created an e-guide called Inquiry 101, which walks you step-by-step step through the process and will help you integrate inquiry into your lessons. I give you examples and some templates you can use in lessons too. So you go to resources.edslessons.com forward slash inquiry 101 to get your copy and I'll link it in the show notes for you too. So remember guys, your timetable is a tool. It's not a strict rule book. Be open to change and adapt based on the needs of the interests of your children. And most importantly, stay flexible. You know, all sorts of things happen during a day. There's an assembly or, you know, you've got a, um, an incursion of some kind. Or if you're homeschooling, you know, you've got to, you're going to take your kids to the park or whatever it is. So you stay flexible. Go with your children's interests and go and listen to episode 9, which is last week's episode, where I talk about using the curriculum for lesson planning. So that's a wrap for today, people. 
I hope that these insights help you create a more structured yet flexible learning environment. And if you thought any of today's information was helpful, then please share it with someone else who could benefit. And that way we spread the word and ultimately more kids benefit. And that's really what's most important and the purpose of this podcast. Don't forget to tune in next Tuesday for more exciting tips and discussions about how we can best serve the educational needs of our children in this day and age. And most importantly, keep them curious. Next week, we'll be talking about how to set up an inspiring learning environment. So until then, stay blooming curious.